0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, reaction to the finance minister's speech outlining measures to tackle inflation. The reality is there is nothing new in her speech that's actually gonna help people in a real way today. For a lot of Canadians, the only thing this speech will outline that's gonna help them is a $7 increase. For some Canadians, that's all they're getting. Looking through these flyers, there's not a lot you can buy in a grocery store for an extra $7. Christia Freeland takes aim at those launching attacks on the Bank of Canada. Undermining Canada's fundamental institutions, very much including the Bank of Canada, is highly irresponsible, not to mention economically illiterate. And the House of Commons is suspending COVID-19 vaccine mandates for MPs, staff and visitors. We would have discussions among the parties and if you seek it, I believe you will find unanimous consent to adopt the following motion, that notwithstanding the order adopted by the House on Thursday, November 25th, 2021, with regard to the participation in proceedings of the House and its committees, the provisions related to the COVID-19 vaccination be suspended beginning on Monday, June 20th,
1: 2022.
0: It's Friday, June 17th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Joanna Smith, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Canadian Press. Good morning, Joanna. Good morning, Mark. So yesterday, we we saw the federal government's plan to fight inflation from Christia Freeland, the finance minister, and uh, there's been some reaction to it already, from obviously from the opposition and from others. Um, what's your, What's your sense of what the government is planning, how much of it is within the government's control, and and what others are, are saying about this plan?
1: I think the key here is that this was really billed as a big speech to outline the Liberal government's plans to fight inflation, um, and yet she detailed commitments that already made. She sort of referred to... A suite of measures totaling nearly nine billion dollars in new support for canadians in 2022 but but really this includes enhancing the canada workers benefit the old age security programs helping struggling renters cutting child care costs and and these were all included in the past two federal budgets and and they're now taking effect but but this sort of argument that child care subsidies is a way to fight inflation. That's that's an argument they've been making for a while. So I think you know this being billed as something new is something that people are reacting to. You know, in the, in the opposition quite strongly. One of the things also, you know, she talked about giving dental care to lower income children. Um, you know, and Katie and Presser put Laura Osmond had a fantastic story out yesterday on on just how far away they are on that last promise. Uh, to bring in dental care for low-income kids by the end of this year. So, so it's really sort of a, a packaging of these previously announced measures, tying up uh, with a bow. And and so I think you know we saw NDP leader Jasmine Singh, for example, reacting quite strongly, saying this is really you know all these measures will will amount to you know saving people seven dollars a month. He said, and and so the NDP has sort of said that they should uh, you know tax more excess profits. Um, and that would allow them to give people between $500 to $1,000 to working families by doubling the GST tax credit and increasing the Canada Child Benefit. He was saying, you know, that would immediately give more money um, into people's pockets. And the Conservatives had a proposal to, you know, provide tax relief by lifting the GST on fuel and to suspend the carbon pricing um, program, which, of course, they've been calling for for years. So, um, but, you know, the other message brought by Freeland was that, you know, skyrocketing inflation is really a a global phenomenon that's being driven by by lasting impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic, of course, Um, ongoing lockdowns in China, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Um and you know, Statistics Canada reported the inflation rate for April rose six point eight percent compared with a year ago. That's the highest that we've seen since January nineteen ninety one. So, uh, so quite almost historic there, but it it is also still lower than than Britain, Germany, and the United States. So so we are seeing what's happening in Canada as part of a global phenomenon, as she mentioned, but I, I think there is some valid criticism about the sort of plan to respond to it um, by you know, announcing things they've already yeah. announced. I can I can see the reaction being what it was. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's unusual uh, for I mean governments often Announce, re-announce, and re-announce things, but it, but when it's billed as a plan to tackle a, a pressing, immediate issue, uh, an evolving issue, that the fact that it's a re-announcement, I think, is was a little bit unusual, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of Christia Freeland, uh, she had some pretty harsh words for Pierre Poilievre, uh, the uh, conservative MP and leadership candidate, about uh, his commitment to fire. Uh, the governor of the Bank of Canada, if he becomes prime minister, um, uh, saying that that Pierre Poilievre is is basically uh, fiscally immature and irresponsible. Um, so that 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 was a pretty strong message from the finance minister uh, to somebody who many people feel is uh, is very likely to become the next conservative leader.
1: That's right, and and I don't think she ever mentioned him by name, but I, it was it yeah. was very clear, of course, that she was talking about considered leadership contender Pierre Polyev, and and she was speaking to a a particular audience as well. I mean, the speech obviously um, was being broadcast everywhere, and it had been you know written about ahead of time, but this is a speech to the Empire Club of Canada in Toronto. Largely a business audience. Um, So I think anyone following anything about politics or the economy would have known exactly what she was talking about, of course. And yes, you're right. they were very harsh words. She said um, at this time of global and economic and political volatility you know, undermining Canada's fundamental institutions. And then she mentioned that it's very much including the Bank of Canada. She said it's highly irresponsible, not to mention economically illiterate. So she's she's not just going after probably of, um, specifically on the Bank of Canada. She's sort of connecting the dots between, you know, as many people have been doing, between this promise that he's made, um, or this threat that he's made, rather, and and this whole large forces of undermining Canada's fundamental institutions. Um, it was interesting, though, you know, to see the Conservatives responding to her speech in terms of what we were just talking about, that, you know, she's they were saying that she's showing a, a fundamental lack of understanding of the causes of inflation, that, you know, they, were, they put out a statement, a couple of their MPs, where they talked about how, um, you know, it, She's ignoring the, the most basic principle of economics. They said that spending during an inflationary crisis will only fuel inflation further. So, so it's, it's not that she was announcing a bunch of new spending measures, but of course the Liberals have been spending quite a bit of money over the past couple of years. Um, and yeah. so they were sort of arguing that, sh- that she's the one who is economically illiterate, right. I guess. Yeah. put words in their mouth, but that was sort of the message from, from them.
0: Yeah, and then, of course, the other interesting thing I'll mention briefly is we're a couple of steps away from this on both sides, but, but there are people who think there's a chance that uh, that that those two people could be the leaders of their respective parties in the next federal election campaign. So, so That's right. So yeah. it, is,
1: it is setting up potentially uh, an interesting uh, battleground between them.
0: Yeah. Uh, it look, doesn't look like Christia Freeland's going to be as friendly with Pierre Poiliev as she has been with Doug Ford, the Premier of Ontario, right, just as, right. as an example, but uh, different, different dynamics, obviously. Um, finally, Joanna, the, the House of Commons is actually suspending the vaccine mandates for MPs, staff and visitors to the House of Commons. It's kind of an interesting development. There's been so much uh, emphasis on where vaccine mandates apply and where they don't and whether they're... They're right or not, and and so on. And here, uh, we have uh, the House of Commons itself uh, no longer requiring them as of next week.
1: That's right, and and I think it's important to note that they are like the federal government with its vaccine mandates on on air travel and for federal public servants. That they are using the word suspend. Right, they they are very deliberately leaving some wiggle room, some flexibility for. Should uh, you know, hopefully not. Uh, knock on all the wood, but uh, things for to get bad again, and these sorts of measures to be needed um, potentially. You know, with another wave in the fall. Um, but no, I think I think the writing was on the wall here. Frankly, um, when the federal government did come out and finally suspend or announce it would be suspending beginning. Monday, um, federal vaccine mandates for domestic and outbound international flights and rail travel, as well as uh, federally regulated transportation workers, federal public servants, would be suspended. So, you know, this was a decision um, that was, you know, the House leaders from all parties had met earlier this week. So, government House Leader Mark Holland put forward a motion yesterday afternoon to end the mandate. It it, it got support, um, you know, and his counterpart, Conservative House Leader. John Brassard said it's about time the rules change and that Parliament has really been an outlier um, when it comes to public health rules. Um, He's also called for the end of uh, wearing of masks um, that will still be mandatory in the House of Commons until June 23rd, and that's the last scheduled day of the sitting before Parliament takes its summer break. Um, So, you know, it'll be be interesting. Brassard said that he does expect, uh, you know, every Conservative MP to to be there on Monday. You know, it, it hasn't been the case that every MP has been in their seat in the House of Commons. Um, some conservative MPs have refused to disclose their vaccination status. Um, that included Saskatchewan MP kathy Wagenthal, who recently said she was required to leave the precinct um, and that she hasn't been able to access her office since the rules took effect. So I think we can expect her most likely to be there on Monday. Um, and, you know, in terms of what this looks like in the fall negotiations are really still ongoing between the parties about what will happen as the fall sitting begins in september it's not clear whether vaccines will be required if masks will need to be worn or if the house will still have hybrid sittings um the conservatives support the idea of keeping that option to attend virtually in certain pretty extreme circumstances, such as an MP needs to go to a funeral or deal with a medical issue. Um, but aside from that, the opposition House Leader said he really believes that MPs should should be there in person.
0: Yeah. All right. Great stuff, Joanna. We're at the end of another week, the second last week of uh, of the this Getting session. <laughs> yeah, we're almost at the finish line. Joanna, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Mark.
0: That's Joanna Smith, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Canadian Press.
1: Our plan will help
0: tackle inflation and make life more affordable for Canadians. Now here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, John Iveson argues, Christia Freeland has made the Bank of Canada governor's job infinitely harder. Iveson writes, The rules of economics don't seem to apply in the liberal world, where you can simultaneously tout your commitment to reducing government spending as the responsible thing to do and pledge to help Canadians with the challenge of affordability. The problem is not the government helping to make life more affordable, but Chrystia Freeland cannot at the same time claim that the government is tackling inflation increasing disposable income for millions of Canadians when the central bank is battling stagflation is only making the job infinitely harder. At the National Observer, Max Fawcett argues, we still haven't learned from our COVID-19 mistakes. Fawcett writes, after all the false starts and fresh waves of cases, it's tempting to think the COVID-19 pandemic is finally at our collective back. But winter is coming, and while we should use the next few months to enjoy ourselves, see friends and family, and do the things we couldn't do in 2020 and 2021, we should also get ready for the next stage of the pandemic. The news that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau contracted COVID-19 again should serve as a reminder that the virus isn't done with us, even if a growing percentage of the population has decided they're done with it. At National News Watch... Janet Silver argues that misleading information and distrust are affecting all of us. Silver writes, We live in a time when misleading information is being amplified on Parliament Hill, in some newsrooms across the country, and on social media. It is damaging our trust in our leaders and the news industry. This contempt for traditional media and distrust of journalists working for mainstream media outlets by some leaders... Is taking a toll. When politicians condemn traditional and mainstream media and praise special interest media, what is their motive? What are they hoping to accomplish? Maybe to prevent further erosion of trust, we need to stop misleading on the Hill in non mainstream news outlets and in our communications with others. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda the Prime Minister will take part in a meeting of the Major Economies Forum on Energy and Climate. He will also speak with the presidents of Senegal and Ghana, as well as the premier of the Northwest Territories. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will take part in a virtual panel discussion hosted by the International Monetary Fund. Government officials will hold a news conference to discuss COVID-19. And Justice Minister David Lametti and Minister for Women Marcy Ian will make an announcement via teleconference. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, June 17th. Tune into Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.